Israelites have crossed the Jordan. Of course, that uh, really brings them right to the uh, confrontation. I mean, the uh, Canaanites are in the land, and they're across the Jordan into the land. So, uh, in chapter 5, verse 1, this is really kind of a verse to itself. It says, Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west... And all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted. There was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. You know, it's kind of like uh, as long as the Jordan was a barrier between the Israelites and the Canaanites, they could more or less rest easy. (laughs) But once they crossed that boundary line then they are scared to death. Isn't that ironic? You know, these would, I assume, be some of the giants that had intimidated the uh, spies 40 years earlier, and now they're the ones whose uh, hearts melt. There's no spirit in them. You know, now they're in the land. Now, do you remember what the things Rahab identified were that had caused uh, the Canaanites to be so scared? What they've done to Sihon and Og? Yes, their defeat of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, Bashan, and... Crossing the Dead Sea? The Red Sea. Red Sea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the same thing? No. No. Yeah. Galilee, Dead Sea, Red Sea. Yeah. They crossed the Red Sea. And, uh, you know, so all that they've done in escaping from Egypt and all that, you know, what the Canaanites hear about all this, and they're the ones that are spooked. <laughs> they are scared of the Israelites now that the Israelites have come in. That's just a very interesting turn of events that I would not have expected. Comments and questions? All right, well, there's some things that happen immediately as they come into the Promised Land. Would somebody read 2 to 9? At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, died in the wilderness a long way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way, as they came out of Egypt, had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children, whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. They had not circumcised them along the way. Now it came about when they had finished circumcising all the nation that they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Okay, so what does God have Joshua do? All the people. Yes. Notice the obedience. 
Verse 2, what are the verbs? Make. And in verse 3, what are the verbs? Made and circumcised. Yeah, so he he does exactly what he's told. Now, uh, flint knives, does that remind you of any uh, prior event involving circumcision? Moses. Yes. Remember when God tried to kill Moses when he was on his way back to uh, Egypt and Zipporah, Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin. God was upset with Moses because he hadn't circumcised his sons. I would think this would be painful. But uh, they have not been circumcising the uh, Israelite children since in those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. I'm not sure if God didn't allow them to. Uh, because of their disobedience or if they just hadn't done it. Uh, but either way, God intends for them to circumcise, uh, be circumcised now. And they do. That would have been pretty painful and pretty hard to do. They named the place uh, Gibeath Heraloth, which means Hill of the Foreskins. <laughs> so uh, that's a, you know appropriate name. And uh, they, uh, God, God says in verse 9, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. You know, all this time they've wandered in the wilderness. They've been kind of on probation. God's taken that away. They are into the land. They've circumcised themselves. And now they are ready to fight against the Canaanites and conquer their promised land. God is taking away the stigma that has been associated with the Israelites for these last 40 years. Comments and questions. Again, not very military of a plan. Good point. Probably not something that's going to matter a lot for your ability as a soldier. In fact, it may be detrimental to your ability as a soldier, certainly for the first few days. <laughs> Remember uh, Shechem. Remember who the uh, Israelite, uh, the sons of uh, Jacob were that led that? Simeon. Simeon and Levi, yeah. No, that's in Genesis 34. Very good, Genesis 34. That's right. That's why you always want to match that verse thing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in a sense, they've just crossed the Jordan, so their backs are up against the river, which they can't go back across without a little more help. And they've just made themselves helpless, in, in in a real sense. Yeah, exactly. That could have been a very uh, dangerous uh, situation for them. Yeah, you know, if, if if the uh, kings of the Amorite and the kings of the Canaanites, they found out they're doing some weird religious thing, and you know, they can't move very well. <laughs> yeah, an Let's attack at the right, right moment now. might have been really uh, yeah ideal there. Other thoughts? 10 to 12. While the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month, on the 14th day of the month, on the desert plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on that day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna. 
but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. Well, isn't God's timing precise? They come into the land just at the right time for what? The Passover. The Passover. So they've been in the wilderness 40 years. They come in and they observe the Passover. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just really interesting how God would work this all out that way. And uh, what other big thing stops happening right here? No more manna. No more manna because? from the land. They are in the land flowing with milk and honey. No manna should be needed. They can eat of the crops of the land. Um, So, you know, now the land God is giving them is going to provide the food instead of the manna God was giving them. Now, maybe they won't see that the land is providing food from God, but he is. They need to learn the lesson from the manna. We depend on God. When they go into the land, that's also God giving them the food, God providing for the crops and so forth. Uh, they had a hard time remembering that. Uh, but these, the miracle of the manna doesn't continue when there's no need for it. So the manna you know, stops, and they're in the land. They can eat uh, from it. There are, are several parallels between Joshua and Moses in this chapter. Uh, the fact that their enemies were afraid, uh, the fact that, as we talked about, uh, they had to uh, circumcise uh, people before they started their main task. They celebrated the Passover, and what we're about to see is they took off their sandals before the Lord. So there's a lot of parallels all throughout this between Moses and Joshua, his successor. Comments and questions to verse 12. It was the first month for them, which is the time of Easter for us. Okay. So late March, early April kind of thing. Okay. It's interesting that if they had immediately gone into into battle and then some of the men most of the men would have been become unclean and they would not have been able to participate in the Passover. So this this delay helped them in more ways than one. It's kind of a, a neat little timing thing. Mm-hmm. Good point. So this produce of the land that they're eating would have to have been the Canaanites crops. Or just you know, trees that are in the wild, but a lot of food. Yeah. That is a Yeah, you're right. Quite a significant event, the ending of the manna. It's not given much press. (laughs) 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 You know, it's like that's the day it stopped. But can you I mean they've been doing this for Mm -hmm. almost all the forty years. That's right. And they go out the next morning Where's the manna? <laughs> yeah. And why would it just stop suddenly? You know, this is very much God's doing all the way through. But yeah, you're right. They're, they're going to have to start to scrounging for some food in the promised land. Other thoughts? 
Alright, 13 to 15. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, No. Rather, indeed, I come as a captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face <clears throat> to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Wow! <laughs> Who would have thought this would have happened? You know, here Joshua is, near Jericho, I guess we'd say minding his own business, when what happened? This mysterious swordsman appears. Yeah, there's a man with a sword drawn right there. How would that make you feel? Intimidated. Yeah, I mean, what if you, you know, were somewhere... And somebody's got a gun drawn. You know, we don't see too many people with a sword maybe drawn. But, you know, if they got a drawn done... Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> how do they, they do have it? a drawing <laughs> piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> if I had, they have a gun drawn and maybe their finger on the trigger and pointed at you. Whoa. So, what's Joshua's question for the man? Yeah. Whose side are you on? Allegiance. Now, if he'd have said foe, what do you suppose Joshua would have done? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm taking it that Joshua's ready to fight on the spot if necessary. Uh, he's got a lot of courage. You don't toy with somebody that's got a sword. You know, you better deal with him. And uh, so he wants to know immediately, you know, whose side are you on? Now, this... Um, Soldier, I guess we'll call him at the moment. Uh, what is, what's his answer? Whose side is he on? No. <laughs> yeah. Are you on, are you for us or for our adversaries? He says, no. <laughs> what does he mean, no? I'm for the Lord. Hey, yes. The, the uh, army of the Lord doesn't have a side, exactly. He's got his own side. <laughs> you know, he is with the Lord. The Lord maintains his independence in determining who he's going to fight for and who he's going to fight against, depending on their behavior. So the Lord, you can't just pigeonhole him, well, we got God in our corner. Well, maybe you do, and maybe he'll be over in the other corner, depending on how you behave. Um, so he doesn't really fit the categories that Joshua suggested for him there. And uh, Joshua falls on his face and bows down and says, what do you, what do you want to say? <laughs> and what are the orders that this soldier gives him? Take off your shoes. Yes. Well, why take off your shoes? This place is holy. Yeah. When you were in a holy place, you didn't wear anything on your feet. I don't know why, but that's consistent. Remember Moses with the burning bush. Remember the priests had no footwear among all that clothing that God gave them. Apparently you showed respect in the presence of the Lord by not having anything on your feet. Um, so that's, uh, you know, it's interesting that, you know, so far we're not getting a lot of military strategy out of this. You know, this is more just like, you need to respect the Lord. 
And uh, so Joshua does, of course, as he is told, uh, wouldn't uh, we do that as well? So who is this guy? The captain as of the host of the Lord. Well, at least it says that's who he comes as. Yeah. Maybe he's an angel. Some people think it's Jesus. Some people think it's Jesus. Well, if he's an angel, why would Joshua need to take his shoes off? It would only be if he was representing the Lord. That would be my position. I think he stands for the Lord. He represents the Lord. And so his presence is like you had the Lord's presence right there. It was the same in... Moses' case. Exactly. It says the angel of the Lord appeared in the bush. Absolutely. So, there's an angel there, but God was also there, you know, representatively. And right. Yes, there's a lot of debate about to what extent we should identify the angel with the Lord. But I would prefer to think of this as, you know, he's sort of he is there for the Lord, he represents the Lord, you know, he's speaking for the Lord, that kind of thing. How would you respond to them saying that he's the captain and that a regular angel is not the captain? I would say he's not a regular angel. (laughs) (laughs) He's an archangel. He's one of the strong angels. There are lots of categories. He had more stripes. Yeah. Other thoughts or questions? Just the the question that Joshua asked and the answer he got God doesn't join you you join God right. that's right. kind of you know, one of those points that's often brought out at this point yeah good point so did, was the the next conversation taking take place at this point I think so that I mean otherwise what was the what was holding about this spot? The Lord's presence represented by this captain. So before so, the captain showed up, it didn't matter if you had your shoes on. That's correct. I mean, what makes a spot holy is God's presence. Now, that's why some people would say, well, this captain is actually God or Jesus or something like that. I think he closely represents him and therefore the spot is holy. Okay. Yeah, the question is what was... God doing there if there was no conversation or anything that took place. I think it's the chapter 6. So I think he's the one who gives these instructions. Other thoughts? Alright, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. 